I know some of you can be a little gun shy in this, but uh, I, I ask you to trust me. Uh, kind of famous last words on that, but but I'm going to need some volunteers. Now, hang on, I'll explain that here in just a second. I'm going to need some people to volunteer. Now, all you have to do to volunteer is raise your hand, and this is what's going to happen. Nothing. You're, you're not going to have to come up forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I promise you can trust me on that. You're, you're going to have to do nothing today uh, that that's anything special. In fact, if you choose to follow through or not follow through on what you volunteer for today, I will never know. So, so, so it's, it's, it's simple that way. So, so really what I need is if just, and I'll explain what it's for after you volunteer. If some of you would just be willing to raise your hands and say, you know what, Tim, I will be a volunteer for you. How many people would just raise your hand right now? I, I'm seeing a few. Notice my wife isn't raising her hand. Okay. Okay. Hey, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Rita, just turn around and see who's got their hands up. This does pertain to you. God bless you. God bless you. people. This is what I'm asking you to do. You can put your hands down. Will you, will you come to my funeral? Now, it's not, I don't have it scheduled. Uh, I, I, hopefully it's not anytime soon. Hopefully I've got at least two, three more good years left in me. But, uh, but would you be willing to come to my funeral? And if it's not asking too much, could you say something nice? Now, I'm not asking you to lie, but, you know, if you have to just add a little bit, you know, as you go through the line and talk to my kids, if you could say something nice, that would uh, that that would be really cool as well. I talked to a guy here uh, a couple months ago that attended a funeral. Uh, he was there to help fold the flag. They flag they didn't have didn't have anyone from uh, uh, from the, the the VFW there to do it. So they asked him to come and help one of the the funeral directors fold the flag. And and he told me that. That besides him and the, the funeral people, there were six people at the service. Now this wasn't some 112 year old guy. He was in his seventies. He had lived in the community for a number of years, but the only one at his funeral, six people and they were all family. And, and I couldn't help but thinking, wow, how, how sad. Now, now I, I should be better than that. I've got four kids. They're all married. I got 12 grandkids. So, so I, there's 20. 21, if Rita comes, uh, 21 right there. So I'm doing pretty good. And, and what, eight or 10 people raised. So I'm going to be okay. You know, people aren't going to say how sad for me that, that much, but, but don't we all, and, and we talked about this last week, don't we all at the end of our life and quite honestly during our life, don't we all want to know that our la- uh, our life matters? Don't we all want to believe that we made a difference? I, I think that's, that's part of who we are. That's part of our nature to want to believe that we are living a life that matters. If you have your Bible, turn with me to, to the, the book of 1 John at the very end of the New Testament, the book of 1 John. And I encourage you to kind of hold 1 John open because we're uh, a little bit later in the sermon going to look through several other verses that are there in, in that book. And we're going to bounce around at a couple other places in the New Testament as well. But if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 3 Verses 23 and 24. We looked at these last week or started looking at this last week, uh, in, in, in dealing with this idea of living a life that matters. So if you have your Bibles, verse 23 in John chapter, uh, first John chapter three, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it is, we know it by the spirit. He gave us. 
Last week we started looking at these verses uh, and, and how it gives us an insight into living a life that matters. And actually in the in those two verses there's a there's there's somewhat of a formula there that if we follow that formula, if we kind of if we buy into it, if we believe it, if we put it into to, to effect in our life, we'll we'll ensure that whether six people come to your funeral or six hundred come to your funeral, that you will have lived a life that matters. The first one we looked at last week was that we just that, that this way of just believe. If we just believe, and that's what it says there in verse twenty three, and this is a command to believe in the name of His Son. Jesus Christ. So, so if we just believe, it's not a sexy idea. It's not revolutionary. It's not, it's not a cutting edge, uh, concept. But if we just believe in Jesus. Now we talked last week that, that the kind of belief, the, the word there, the, the, the verb there used has this idea of not just believing a fact, but, but having a belief that goes deeper that, than that. An all in, a belief that kind of changes you, a belief that, that moves you, a belief that you submit to. I, 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 in, in fact, I, I mentioned the idea we can believe a fact, but we got to be deep in that. I, I pointed out that Rita pinches, that you can believe that that's true. Now, I, she wanted me to ma- make this announcement this morning. The only one she pinches is me. So you don't have to, be, you don't really have to believe that she can pinch well because she won't pinch you. It's just me that she's going to pinch. But, but belief is more than just, I believe a fact. It's a belief that, that draws you in, that pulls you in. Uh, so the first step in making sure your life matters is to believe. Believe, and we talked about this in the power of the name and in the purpose of the name. And, and we, this is kind of where we finish on this idea that the purpose of the name is that it saves us. While we were still sinners, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the unrighteous. That, that before you could ever do anything and, and you couldn't do enough good anyway, Jesus died for you. So, so the purpose of the name is that it saves us. And now we're going to start kind of fresh and new here this morning. Not only does it save us, but it it sets us free. The name of Jesus sets us free. If you have your Bibles, uh, hold John open there, or First John, but go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. These are verses that you're probably somewhat familiar with. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 to 23. And notice what it talks about being set free. Starting with verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Now, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin, now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He, he sets us free. If, if you want to hold, uh, first John, flip over with, uh, with me, if you will, to, to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36. And notice what Jesus says about this idea of being set free. John chapter 8, 34 through 36. Jesus replied in verse 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Notice that same thing that Paul was saying. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it for, forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, there is purpose because of the power of the name of Jesus. And the purpose 
is to set us free. Set us free from the things that hold us down. In, in fact, the byproduct of being a slave to something is that it robs us from the, the confidence that our life matters. When we are a slave to sin, when we are a slave to addiction, when we are a slave to fear, when we are a slave to pain, when we are a slave to doubt, when we are a slave to the things of this world, it robs us of the confidence that we know that we that, that our lives will will matter. But when we believe, when we believe in Jesus, he can set us free from all those things that rob us, all those things that hold us back, all those things that keep us away. And then finally, we notice this. When we believe, we see this purpose, is that when we believe in Jesus, he, he shows us, he shows us the way, he shows us how, we are to go. All we have to do is look at Scripture. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about it here a, a little bit towards the end of the sermon, but, but we're called to, to be like Jesus. And when we try to live like Jesus, that life shows us how then we should live and, and the way that we should model ourselves and that being after Jesus. But His Word shows us what He wants us to do. It shows us really that path to living a life that matters. Uh, th- this has been... Uh, 20, almost 20 years ago, uh, when you tell me, when I tell you what it was, you'll like, uh, yeah, it had to be a long time ago. But, but about 20 years ago, I used to run, uh, uh every day I would run four or five miles. Uh, yeah, I know it's hard to believe, but I, 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 I did. And, and, uh, I ran a race in, uh, in St. Joe's called the Parkway Run. It, it's a, uh, 15K, which is 9.3 miles. And it starts at, at, um, at Krug Park and goes all the way down to Hyde Park in the south end. So it starts the north end all the way down the south end. Now, the interesting thing when this race started, and I didn't win, by the way. I uh, didn't get close to, even in my age group. or uh, I beat a couple girls, and I, I, I'm pretty sure of that, but, uh, and maybe a guy or two. But, but I did finish. So, so we started this race, and there were, there were opportunity after opportunities to get off the course. The, you, you ran up the parkway, and then you turned here, there, and... and Every place that you went, there was someone standing at an intersection to say, keep on going that way. And a couple times when we had to make a turn, there was someone there and they had signings and they had someone there said, be sure to turn left here. All that way for, for 9.2 miles, they had someone at every intersection saying, go this way and, and this is your track. This is how you should go for nine. And I mentioned it's 9.3 miles. But for 9.2 miles, they had someone at every position saying, go this way until you got into uh, to, to Hyde Park. The last one-tenth of a mile, you crossed Alabama or Mason Street, whatever that is called there by the Casey's, there by Benton High School. If you know St. Joe, you know what I'm talking about. We crossed the parkway, crossed that street into Hyde Park, just entered the park. You could you could see off to the left the finish line. You could see the, the tent set up. You could hear people. You knew you were almost there, a tenth of a mile. And as you walked in, ran into the park, I did run into the park, by the way. As you ran into the park, there were two roads that you had that, that went left. And there was no one to say which one to go. In, in fact, I, I noticed that a runner in front of me went on the second one and and, and I thought, well, I'll follow him, but he, he got about 20 yards and he, he slowed down and turned around like, am I on the right one? And then I began to think, should I go that one? There's a couple people behind me and like, I want to beat them. I don't want to go down. So I finally followed that guy, which turned out to be the right one. But I'm thinking, 
wow, really, the, the last tenth of a mile, you don't show me where to go. God's Word. Uh, folks, if, if we want to live a life that matters, the, the truth is God's Word shows us. That's the purpose of the power of Jesus, is He shows us where to go and how we should live, if we're just willing to, to believe that. So, so, so how do I live a life that matters? First of all, just believe. Here's the second one. It's going to sound like the, the first one. It's a little bit different. We, we need to conceive to believe. Okay, didn't you just say that? Okay, we need to believe, just believe. But now we can, we need to conceive to believe that. There's a couple things I want you, I want you to look at. Three things actually. The, the first two we kind of have talked about. And, and the first two really lead to the third one that really is the, the pivotal point here. We need to conceive to believe that, first of all, that God loves. That God loves us. You might be surprised. You might be surprised to, to know the number of people that are walking around in your world. And by that I mean, uh, uh, friends, families, neighbors, coworkers. You might be surprised at the number of pe- people walking around in your, your world. You might be surprised by the number of people sitting in the pews here today. You might be surprised by the number of people sitting in your pew next to you. Maybe even a husband, a wife, a, uh, a, a mother, a father, a child. You might be surprised at the number of people that, that are around us that really don't believe that their parents love them. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Really? There's people that don't believe that. There's people that struggle with that. You would, you would be surprised at the number of people that are not convinced. Now, if you ask them, they say, well, of course, but, but when you get a little bit deeper, when you, when you look at the hurt and the pain in their life, the, the, there are people all around us that are not, that, that are not convinced that their parents love them. Now, now I'm going to throw this in. It really doesn't have anything to do with the sermon. This is kind of just a free commercial. And if you get nothing else from today's sermon, get this. There's something we can do about that. Uh, there's people beside you that may not believe that their parents love them, but that's something you can do something about. You can stop that cycle. So, so moms and dads, we need to make sure without a doubt that our kids know that they're loved. Now, now that doesn't mean we just give them everything. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, but, but we make sure they know that they're loved. How we, we tell them, how we show them, how we, we live it. We make sure that our kids know that they're loved. Now, now there's some of us here today who without a doubt know that our moms and dads still love us, and yet we still have a struggle. So imagine how hard it is for, for the ones that, that aren't confident mom and dad love them. If, if some of us who come from homes where we're confident, mom, see, some of us struggle with this idea to believe that God loves us. So stop and think how many people are struggling with this idea. See, if we can't believe that God loves us, then we're really going to struggle to believe that our life matters. Now, I wouldn't be here. The church wouldn't be here. So if you're under, or, or curious about what our church believes, this is at the heart of it. We would not be here if we didn't believe that the heart of the message of Scripture is this, that God loves us. Can we conceive to believe that God loves us? Which then points us to the next point, and, and that is the evidence of that. The, the evidence that God loves us is this. 
that Jesus left. If we can conceive to believe that Jesus left heaven, see, it's what proves us. It's what is the evidence that God loves us. Jesus left heaven. I read this last week. Um, and you know these verses, one of the first verses you ever memorized in, in, uh, in Sunday school. But, but see it from this, this standpoint that, that we have to believe, we have to conceive to believe that God loves us. And because he loved us, he sent Jesus, Jesus left. John chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Now understand from that, so that says, for God so loved the world that he gave or, or he sent or Jesus left his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, we go way back to that first point, just believe, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, we struggle, I think oftentimes struggle with the concept of God. And and oftentimes we fall into one of two groups or at least in a, a spectrum of those two groups that that is a false way of seeing God. Some of us see God this way and it's wrong and it hurts us. It prevents us from really believing that our life matters. Some of us see God this way. We see God as someone that just waiting. He's sitting up in heaven and his eye is on us and he's just waiting for us to mess up. Because God knows that you're a foul up. He knows that you're a screw up and he knows that you're going to blow it. And God's in heaven and he's just waiting for you to make a mistake so he can say, gotcha. And some of you probably believe that every bad thing that happens to you is because God's mad at you. Because you've made mistakes in your past. Maybe you're making them in your presence. You're probably planning to do them. And God just doesn't like you at all. And so when bad stuff happens, it's because God is looking down and saying, wow, I got you this time. Some of us struggle with that idea that God is mad at us. And the truth is, even in the church, some of us carry heaven, uh, a heavy weight of guilt and we're dragging around the burden of past failures and and at least to a degree we see God this way man he just he just he just mad at us all the time that's one spectrum the other spectrum is that sometimes we see God this way we see God as that jolly old grandpa and that jolly old grandpa just loves everyone and he's just happy no matter what we do I mean we we can do something wrong, and old jolly old grandpa is just like, isn't that cute? You know, isn't that fun? That's my grandson, man. I know he messed up, but, but boy, I'm just going to love you. Uh, some of you, if you're friends with Vicki Kosman on Facebook, I saw this this week on her uh, feed. She, she had just a little saying, kind of a little meme up there, and it said this. It says, my mom as a mom, and then it said below it, you get what you get, deal with it. Did any of you see that on hers? If not, go back and search it. My mom is a mom. You get what you, you get, deal with it. And then it says, my mom is a grandma. Would you like a grilled cheese sandwich cut into hearts or stars? <laughs> and, and don't some of, and isn't that kind of how the world wants to see? In fact, that's, that's kind of how, I'll be honest, that's how I want to see God. I, I want to see God as that jolly old grandpa that just is, he doesn't care about the, the stuff we do wrong. He's not going to punish anyone. And, and there's no pain. There's nothing that I, I kind of want to see God that way, but, Boy, that robs me of my ability to be uh, and to live a life that matters. See, both of these views of God are wrong. See, God is a God of justice. There is a price that has to be paid for, for sin. But God's not sitting in heaven wishing to condemn us, wanting to condemn us, just waiting for us to mess up. Quite the opposite is true. See, that's where grace comes in. Jesus left heaven to come to earth to pay the price. You see that? He, he sent Jesus because he wanted to deal 
with what he knew would be sin in our life. And God just doesn't just laugh at what we do and say how cute. No, it's why Jesus had to leave too, to save us. Can we conceive to believe that God loves us? And because he loves us, Jesus left. And, and, and can we see that last of these three things then? Can we conceive to believe that we can be like him? Can we, can we conceive to believe that we can be like Jesus? If you have your Bibles, flip over earlier in the, the book of, of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 6, or verse 3, and just read down to verse 6. Can we conceive to believe that we can be like Jesus? You, you want to know that your life matters? You, you, you want to know that you, you've really done something special? Then, then if we begin to believe that we are called to be like Jesus, that, that we're not going to be Jesus, don't get me wrong there, but that we can start to live like Him, that we can start to and A.O. Was, was hitting on this in his, his time of prayer, that we can start to live such a way that people can see Jesus in us. Uh, if we can start to believe that, it will give our give meaning to our life. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 3, We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. Sounds just like verse 23 in chapter 3. The man who says, I know, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But anyone who obeys His word... God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Must walk as Jesus walked. Must be like Jesus. Can can we conceive to believe that we can be like Jesus? That, that we can start taking on characteristics like Christ? Several years ago, Rita's stepdad, Bob, Daddy Bob, as she called him, uh, passed away in California. And, and our whole family, I, just about all of us, were able to fly out to California for the funeral. And, and I believe it was a day or two after the funeral, uh, not all of us, but, but Rita and I were there. And I, a couple of my sons were still there, uh, would stay a couple of days longer. And, and it just so happened that the, the, uh, the Royals were in town to play the, uh, Anaheim Angels. Um, and so we got tickets and, and went to the game. As we walked in, we, we were heading towards our seat and we walked past this, this little girl. I mean, little, I mean, she's college age or, well, old, out of college, but she's a little girl to me. When you're old, everyone's a little girl. And, uh, she was there selling, uh, programs. And, uh, and as we walked by, I, I, I caught an eye contact with her. She kind of looked at me and her face kind of lit up. And, you know, the first thought was, do I know her? And I'm like, I'm in Southern California. I don't know anyone except my, the family I have there. And as I got closer to her, she put her hand up, and she, you know what this means? Yeah, well, go do it. Yeah, she high-fived me. You're like, this is a trick, isn't it? <laughs> she high-fived me, and as she did, she said, some of you are going to find this distasteful, but as she did, she said, rock chalk. And I was so, I was so dumbfounded that it took me for a minute to respond correctly to that uh, Go KU. And, and, and so we stopped and actually visited with her for just a second. She said that she was a, K, a KU grad living in Southern California. We walked off, and as I walked off, it, the thought hit me like, how did she know I was a KU fan? I thought, well, okay, she saw I, I was obviously an intelligent person, and, and I, I was classy. Maybe that's why. Or somebody might want to choose to believe this. She saw, boy, well, he looks like a low life, has no intelligence, and must be a KU fan. Uh, 
So pick whichever one you want. They both would work. But the truth was, I happened to glance down, and I had a KU shirt on. Big old Jayhawk on my chest, and that's how she knew I was a KU fan. But aren't we, aren't we, aren't we to live such a life? Aren't we to live such a life that, that people can see who we belong to and, and what we belong to? And, and, and that's the reality here of knowing that our life can matter is that we can be like Jesus. We can live to be like him. Uh, if you have First uh, John, look there earlier in chapter 3. Let's look at just a couple verses there. Verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So he kind of said, hey, this is what we know what, it is, know what love is. And later on, the verses we read, we're, we're called to love like Jesus. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now let me go on. He kind of just throws out an, uh, an object lesson. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of the Father be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action or truth. So we're called, church, then we are called. If you want to know, if you want to be confident you're living a life that matters, then we are called to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to, to be a, a difference like Jesus. Bill Bright, uh, and we're, we're about down here. Bill Bright tells a story of a missionary who served in Africa. Their names were Justin, the wife, the husband's name was Justin, the wife, Tessa, uh, said once they arrived in Africa, they were overwhelmed by the, the sheer poverty, overwhelmed by the number of, of children living on the street, overwhelmed by the, the opportunities to make a difference and, and, and just the reality that they couldn't do it with everyone. And at every corner, there was someone that they could help. And, uh, and, and he tells a story, uh, uh, Bill Bright does that one day they were driving down the street and, and and John uh, uh, Justin and Tessa saw a a little boy limping down the street. He was obviously somewhat crippled, and you could tell by the way he carried himself that he was sick. And as as he was struggling down the street, Tessa said to her husband, "Pull over, pull over." And 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 he he was compassionate just like her, but but he, like I said, he was overwhelmed. And he said to her, "Tessa, Tessa, we can't pull over every time we see someone." is in need. Every sick child we can't help. But she said to him, Justin, you're right. But we can help this one. We can help this one. See, if we're going to be like Jesus, if we're going to follow like him, uh, then, then we're going to start giving ourselves, laying down our life just like Jesus did. Just believe. Just believe. And then conceive to believe that. God loves us, and Jesus left, and we can be like him. And then finally, and here's the cool thing, and so many of us in the church, so many of us believers struggle with this. Then you'll receive. Then receive, and receive this simple thing. Receive confidence. Those who obey, verse 24 in chapter 3, those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gives us. Let me let me read a, a few verses, and we'll we'll finish up here. That tell us that we can be confident. You you want to know your life matters? Then have a confidence. Have a confidence that your life matters. Uh, look with me in First John. All these are from First John. First John chapter two verse twenty eight. Now now see from the 
from all these verses, what John is trying to get us to understand. Verse 28, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him in his coming. Look over in chapter 3, verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Look over in chapter 4, verse 17. Notice what it says there, chapter 4. Verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on that day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. And then finally, in chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son so that you may know, you may know, you may have confidence that you have eternal life. Fred Craddock, uh, a former pastor and professor at Phillips University, tells his story. He said he was on vacation in in, uh, in Tennessee. He and his wife were sitting in a restaurant having uh, having supper one evening, and an older gentleman comes walking up to their table and begins to talk to them. And, and really, they they just want to have a quiet a quiet meal together. And he was asking where they were from and talking to them about what they were doing. Mentioned they were on vacation. And finally, he said, "Well, what do you do for a living, sir?" And uh, Craddock says, well, I answered, and I thought, well, this will shut him up, because no one ever wants to talk to a guy like this. He said, well, I'm a preacher. You know, usually people are like, okay, and they walk away. And, and uh, he said, the old gentleman looked at him and said, well, 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 I've got a preacher story. And he leaned over, and he pulled a chair over from the table next to him, and he sat down. And, Let me tell you this story. He said, he said when I was a, was a small boy, I was raised in a single family. In fact, growing up, I didn't even know who my mom was, or who my dad was, and, and, and it was quite a scandal at, at, at that time when I was a, a small boy. And, and, and the, the rumor around the town was trying to decide who my dad was. and No one really knew. And, and so I grew up living, uh, living in the shadows. And I was scared to be around people because I know they, they judged me and they looked down on me. But he said, one day a, a new preacher came to town and, and, uh, and I heard he was good. So I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to him. So, uh, so, so he, Craddock says, the old gentleman says, I... Uh, I went to church. I arrived late, so I didn't have to talk to anyone, and I listened to him, and he was pretty good. Uh, before church was over, before they finished, I, I snuck out and said, I, the, the old man said, I just kept going back and back and back. He said, one Sunday, I got so wrapped up in the service, so wrapped in what, up in what he was saying that before I knew it, the service was over. They concluded with prayer, and I couldn't, I couldn't get out. People had entered the aisles, and I couldn't make it to the back door before anyone could reach me. He said, I was worming my way to the back when I felt I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I felt this, this big hand on my shoulder, and I turned around, and there stood, the, there stood the pastor. And he said, what's your name, boy? Whose son are you? He said, all, all, all who had been trying to avoid by coming early, leaving, or coming late, leaving early, you know, finally it, it happened. This guy's going to call me out. What's your name, boy? Who's your son? And he paused for a second, but he said, before he could answer, he said, oh, I, I know who you are. I know who your family is. There's a distinct family resemblance. Why? Well, you're the son. You're the son of God. The old man looked at Craddock and said, those words changed my life. He got up and walked away. A little bit later, a waitress came up and said, you know, you knew who that was? I have no idea. Well, that's, that's Dan Hooper. He's a former governor. See, our lives, our lives can matter. And if you want to live the life that matters, really is quite simple. 
God loves us so much that He sent Jesus. And all we really have to do is believe. Just believe in the power and the purpose of that name. And if we can just conceive that He really does love us, that Jesus came for us, and we can be like Him, then we can have confidence. We can have confidence. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, help us live lives that make a difference. Father, put in our path opportunities for us to be like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to serve like Jesus. Father, fill our spirits with confidence. If we're here today and we're, we struggle with believing who you are or trusting that you love us, Father, give us confidence that we are yours. Father, give us confidence that we can make a difference as we live for you. Lord, uh, guide us to be your sons and your daughters. In 